Thank you for listening to Bakersfield Observe, the podcast with Richard Bean. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Centric Healthcare and King Door Company. Welcome to Bakersfield Observed with Richard Bean, a podcast for and about Bakersfield and Kern County. Richard's guests are newsmakers, influencers, and personalities who address topics of interest to you and your neighbors and your community. The discussion is fast, informative, and always civil. Now, here's your host, Richard Bean. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to episode 22 of the new Bakersfield Observed podcast. We record it right here at the American General Media offices off California Avenue and Highway 99 right here in Bakersfield. This podcast airs weekly, and it complements the work of the Bakersfield Observed blog. You can access this podcast via Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can also get it on kernradio.com. The idea behind this podcast was simple. We just wanted to provide a forum for the Bakersfield community to gather to discuss the issues that confront us all. I want to give a big shout out to my sponsors. That would be Dr. Bridge Bombay over at Centric Health, Premier Lighting, Paul Pavlitich, and of course the good folks over at King Door, where service comes with the pride of a lion. Today we welcome back an old friend to the show, Ryan Alsop. He's the Chief Administrative Officer for the County of Kern. There is a lot going on over there. We're going to get right to it. Thank you, Ryan, for coming on the podcast. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. It's great to be here. Excellent. Thank you, buddy. Uh, the last time we chatted, uh, it looked as if, this is going back, we were almost coming out of the pandemic. And yet here we are today. The resistance to the vaccine requirements remain strong. Infections are declining, but they remain worrisome. We remain in a battle. Can you bring us up to date on where we are with the pandemic here? What your concerns are in terms of the workforce and other uh, uh, other issues like that, and where we are with the County Navigation Center on the homeless. We'll hit on that a little bit later, but let's start with the pandemic. Yeah, well, we're uh, the only thing that I'm focused on and that we're focused on is making sure that we are making the vaccine uh, as widely available to people who um, either want to take it or need to take it uh, <clears throat> now that there are some some orders and some some mandates on some specific sectors of the economy and, and businesses, um, making sure that that's <clears throat> readily available, right? And that process is fluid, and we've got a lot of partners helping us in the community, but making sure that that's, that vaccines, uh, that process is made widely available uh, and done as efficiently as possible. So that's where we are. Uh, that's what we're focused on. And really, not a lot else. That's That's really the the mainspring of our exertions right now. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of back end. Uh, we continue with contact tracing and and uh, and education, and uh, there's testing. Uh, you know, making sure that that's that's being done in the community uh, through a wide variety of partners, and you know, <clears throat> making efficiencies uh, each and every week to make sure that process is sped up and done uh, done well. Uh, and and uh, you know, and really, that's 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 the focus um going forward we uh we you know hit 
uh, a peak with uh, folks getting into the hospitals, and uh, we've provided a little bit more money uh, to local hospitals to assist them with uh, additional staffing. Um, it's something like you know tw- an additional twenty thousand hours of, of staffing support mm. uh, for area hospitals, which we've made available, uh, building on all of the other money. I think it's fifteen, sixteen million dollars that we've spent uh, on that effort. And so those are really the two, <clears throat> the two primary, two primary areas that uh, that we're focused on. And all this other noise and everything else that's going on, and all the debate and stuff. I just uh, I kind of tune out. Uh, I can't do anything about any of that. I'm just kind of focused on making sure we're doing everything we can in in those two areas, which, in my opinion, are the most important uh, uh, pieces to uh, to navigating through the pandemic right now. Right. Do we are there any mandates in place for county employees, no matter no matter whatever their role is, whether it's uh, county or sheriff's department or just the the rank and file employees about getting the, the vaccine? Yeah, there's some mandates around congregate care-related uh, facilities, but but mainly county employees who are affected by mandates are those who are working in healthcare settings, uh, public health. Uh, there are some behavioral health uh, uh, mandates for certain employees, but it's a it's a it's a small percentage of county employees who are affected by that mandate. Uh, but the vast majority of county employees are not uh, under any sort of a mandate, whether that's local or federal or or state uh, so that's that's where we're at right now do you still have people working from home or is everybody back in the offices no everybody's back uh everybody's back we still have people that are you know they might get exposed at some point or they come down with COVID, um who have to uh go home and uh ride it out and deal with it and um i've, I've got in fact i got an employee uh you know an employee here that that's been at home for a while um, dealing with COVID and she got it from her daughter. And, um, but you know, uh, we're, uh, we're, we're doing, we're doing the best that we can. And, uh, uh, you know, this, this, uh, this, this virus is going to be in our community. I think it's endemic. Uh, it's going to be here for quite a long time, ebbing and flowing. And, uh, and, uh, we're going to have to ride it out. And with, uh, with time, uh, curves will flatten, uh, but I think it'll always be here and it'll continue to spread and uh, people just need to be aware and, and take precautions and uh, just realize that the vast majority of people uh, by far, uh, well well north of, of 90% of folks, uh, you know, they they are able to deal with it and recover yeah. uh, with, with uh, anywhere from mild symptoms to severe symptoms, uh, severe sort of flu-like symptoms. But, um, you know, that's a situation that we're in and everybody else is in, all, no matter where you are in the country. Uh, but we're just, again, we're just focused on making sure that we're getting the, uh, the vaccine, uh, making that available to everybody, and we're supporting our hospitals. Excellent. Hey, let, let's turn our attention to Governor Newsom, who and the state's uh, stance toward uh, fossil fuels, which uh, ranges from the benign to the ho- to the hostile, I suppose. But the governor has come out with a new program where he wants a 3,200-foot setback around new oil wells and then some new rules and regs about existing oil wells. I'm looking at this in the larger context about what this means for fossil fuels in the future. 
what it means for the tax revenue that we enjoy here from uh, the oil, from the energy sector. How concerned are you about this? Well, I'm really concerned. Uh, The governor is working toward um, a set of goals that he believes that need to be achieved, right, for whatever reason. Um, I think part of that is you know, his his stance on climate change and uh, probably associated with his um, desire to to run for higher offices mm-hmm. and uh, trying to achieve some goals around climate change. Right. And we're getting uh, you know, we're we're in that we're in that we're affected by that. Uh, you know, we, we understand what's happening, what he's doing, but we need to, him uh, and his administration to understand how those decisions that are being made are disproportionately affecting the people living and working here in Kern County, which is California's energy capital by a long shot. <clears throat> and the announcement that he that he made yesterday, which is the proposed rule on some new setbacks, uh, 3,200 $3, feet, uh, in, in, you know, that in addition to his directives on halting permitting, uh, are frankly devastating and and there it's only fast tracking the the elimination of millions of dollars and as you pointed out in local tax revenue that we use for public safety first responder and other vital services here in the community key, uh, key community investments uh, for most most of which are steered toward people who are most in need and it and it uh, fast tracks the shift of thousands of jobs that are here locally here in Kern County uh, essentially overseas. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I've, I've said it before and I'll continue to say it, all of the administration's energy production objectives, whether it's oil and gas or renewables, all of those things run through Kern County. We're doing the most of anybody uh, in the entire state. Uh, but it's our residents and their families and, uh, you know, uh, local governments like Kern or Bakersfield or any others who are going to suffer the most and who are paying the heaviest price uh, in, those, in those decisions that they're making. I'm curious about the conversations you guys must be having or uh, maybe you're having them with yourself when you, uh, you know, at three in the morning. But when you look forward and you think, goodness gracious, if I'm here in 10 years, and a lot of these things come to fruition, and the state slowly strangles or suffocates the fossil fuel industry. Can you, from a layman's perspective, can you, can you explain what that would mean to the taxpayer here in, in Kern County about the services they might lose or be at risk? Well, let's just go to the elimination of oil and gas production. Let's say that oil and gas production entirely is eliminated, which is what the administration wants to do. And they want to do it by a certain date. I think it's 2045 or whatever. Um, That, uh, the elimination of oil and gas production um, affects tax revenue this way. We, uh, that that industry um, basically, uh, you know, uh, generates about $200 million annually uh, in local tax revenue. That's tax revenue that comes to the county. It's discretionary revenue that goes into our general fund that pays for police and fire and libraries and parks and, and, and all these other kind of quality of life things that people, people depend on. 
Uh, but it's also money that funds schools. It's also money that funds special districts, et cetera. Um, about $80 million of that $200 million are, is, the, uh, is revenue that flows into the county's general fund alone. Uh, so that would be eliminated. Um, you also have tens of thousands of jobs in this community, both direct and indirect, that are tied to the oil and gas industry. Those, all those jobs are eliminated. Uh, sales tax, most of our sales tax revenue uh, is generated you know, from B2B, business-to-business transactions in that industry. Um, you know, it's all the cottage industry uh, stuff that's around oil and gas, piping, uh, other services, et cetera, that are, are tied into that. That will be impacted pretty severely. Uh, so, you know, those are the impacts. I mean, never mind, uh, you know, debates about, you know, clean oil production or, you know, getting into all that. We're, we're coming from the standpoint that this, uh, these decisions, uh, you know, are having an impact on uh, revenue that we rely on to provide critical services like public safety, and it's going to eliminate, it's going to decimate uh, uh, jobs here, here, here locally. And so that's all going to have an impact on the quality of life here in Kern County if this all comes to fruition. And yeah, that's our biggest fear. And um, um, I try, I tend to not get overly worried about that because there's a lot that I can't mm -hmm. do about some of the stuff that's happening right now. Um, what we can do is plan. What we can do is outline uh, a, uh, a pathway, uh, never mind oil, setting that aside for a second, outline a pathway for diversification of our economy, uh, which we've been doing through efforts like B3K, uh, you know, bringing in uh, landing big business ventures here in Kern County. We've done a lot. We've got a lot in the pipeline, you know, laying out a pathway for um, the future of renewable energy. What does that look like? Um, you know, how are we, uh, you know, creating incentive opportunities and structuring our county in a way to be ultra competitive and really the leader at the end of the day for things like carbon capture, uh, you know, continuing with our, our, our development of solar projects, battery storage, uh, battery recharge, all of those things we have, <clears throat> I believe, uh, a great ability to be most competitively, competitively advantaged uh, as, a, uh, you know, as opposed to other counties in the state and laying out a clear pathway uh, and a plan for that, uh, so that on that issue, renewables, uh, there's something in there that helps benefit the state in achieving some of their goals, but at the same time, uh, it, it's benefiting Kern County and helping achieve our goals. And that's the kind of, uh, you know, work that's going to have to be done. It's being done now, but it's going to have to be continued as we continue to push back on uh, what we believe are uh, really um, – illegal, that's the basis of our lawsuit, and really, you know, um, arbitrary decisions that, that are being made outside the law uh, on oil and gas production. You say illegal. Uh, is there legal action uh, that the county is anticipating? Well, we filed a lawsuit. Um, we're suing Governor Newsom, okay. and uh, we're suing him because we believe the decisions that he's made, the directives that he has given his uh, his administration is given to Calgem, 
uh, and other regulators in the uh, in the administ- or part of the administration uh, to not permit uh, oil projects uh, and you know all the things that have been done in, in recent recent weeks and months are outside the scope of adopted and passed uh, implementing legislation mm-hmm. that's on the books that allows for uh, the safe and responsible production of oil and gas in this state. Uh, there's been no change to that, and uh, and he has operated and and uh, you know provided directives outside what we believe are the uh, uh, the the scope of of laws and uh, laws you know laws that are on the books, and that's really the basis of our of our lawsuit. We we didn't want to ha- we didn't want to file one, yeah. uh, obviously, but we felt like we had no choice. I think that the residents of this community, certainly the industry that's here and everybody that's tied into it, people that work in the industry are, expect that. And uh, I think it was the right thing to do. And, and we're proceeding vigorously uh, with uh, counsel, outside counsel, to pursue pursue that. All right, we're talking to Ryan Alsop, the county chief administrative officer. Ryan, have you guys considered or have you, have you ha, ha, are you aware of any examples we could use here in Kern County of anywhere else in the country where regulations have been dropped on a community that have basically gutted one of the major sources of tax revenue and employment for a local area and what has happened to it and has it come back? Is there, are there, is there any place you can point to and say, that happened there, and this is what they did to come to rebound. I think that there are examples all over the country um, that I'm not able to think of right now. I think that in the state, um, I'm not sure there are any other uh, really good examples to compare with what's being done to, the, to this to this industry here and the disproportionate impact it's having just in our county. Um, I'll tell you that doing business in California each and every week, each and every year, is becoming harder and harder and more expensive. Um, it's uh, you're seeing gas prices prices rise, which is going to be another outcome of what's what's happening here. Uh, those are going to be those prices, those high prices, I, I believe, are going to be sustained and uh, likely could put us into a real, a more broad energy crisis uh, sooner rather than later. Um, uh, you see uh, the problem with housing prices. You see the problem with outrageous homeless uh, mm-hmm. problems that we have throughout the state in every single area of the state. And those are all related to state policies uh, that are, uh, you know, are I, I believe uh, impacting all of those areas. It's very, it's uh, w- with each and every week. It's just tougher and tougher to do business here in the state. Uh, with all of the the different uh, laws, rules, regulations, fees, uh, they get put on the books uh, that are unique um, when you look across the country and other areas. So, um, but I, I would say what's happening to our oil industry is pretty extraordinary and historic, and um, really requires everybody to pay attention and to be engaged and to be focused on what's happening uh, because we. Uh, you know, it's it's really going to uh, to cause some some pretty severe quality of life impacts here in Kern County. 
Absolutely. You brought up homelessness, and that's a good segue. I want to talk to you about what's going on over at the M Street Navigation Center, how you guys doing there, as well as I know that the county has unveiled a week or so ago kind of a new a new plan to throw some more money and resources to tackle the homelessness issue. Can we start with the Navigation Center? I saw that the city is uh, getting ready to approve the expansion of another of their facility to, over on Brundage Lane to another 150 beds. Give me the status of what's going on in, at M Street. Yeah, well, first off, the city, that's great that they're doing that, and the collaboration between the county and the city on this issue and other issues has been fantastic. I should, I should point out uh, regular communication, coordination, and all of this we're working together on, but... Um, I applaud the city for doing that, Mr. Clegg, for, for leading that effort. Uh, M Street's going well. Um, we, you know, we have lots of folks there. Uh, last time I checked, I don't know, 120 people there. These are 120 people. Keep in mind that facility's been online for a little over a year. Mm-hmm. These would have been 120 people that would have been on the streets. They're there. Um, they are. Uh, we've got services around them. Uh, job training, job placement, um, you know, mental health, substance abuse, medical, um, you know, housing, uh, all of that stuff we're wrapping around these folks, and we're seeing good results. We're placing on a regular basis every month people into permanent housing. Coming out of M Street, we're uh, placing people into job training programs, uh, ultimately getting them into employment um, and uh, if needed, getting them into treatment uh, at a variety of different uh, different places around the county. Uh, it's working very well, and we've got to sustain that effort and continue to build upon it. Uh, and that's really what the uh, the rollout of this new new plan uh, was uh, that the board approved a, a couple of weeks back. It's just building on that effort. A part of it is utilizing, continue to utilize the M Street Navigation Center, expanding utilization there, uh, providing some, uh, you know, overnight camping space, which was always part of the plan, but we never really got around to it because we were so focused on uh, other things and COVID hit, but we're getting around to doing that. The upshot of that is... Yeah, talk to me about that. I wasn't familiar with this whole camping uh, element of it. Well, the upshot of that is that it, you know, you that in the context of of the the board uh, working through passing a an anti camping ordinance, uh, which would restrict people from camping around the county in various public spaces. You got to have alternatives. You got to have open bed space, open shelter space. Mm-hmm. That's why the city doing what they're doing with 150 beds is important. Um, but uh, one alternative is, you know, if somebody's camped out at the Garces Circle or along the Kern River Parkway someplace on a bike trail, you know, they get engaged with and they're told they can't camp there. It's illegal. you got to move along. you got to move all your stuff. And so providing them a place to say, you can't camp here, but you know what? You can take your stuff and report over here because we have a safe camping site that's secluded, Nobody sees. It's fenced off. We have security. But doing that, it gets those people who show up at that location, it gets them into our system. Uh, it gets our service providers to begin uh, interacting with them on a regular basis because they're right there. Uh, it gets uh, it poises and positions them uh, to get uh, put into 
a shelter, a transitional, uh, some sort of a transitional uh, shelter program with services, and then ultimately on to job training, uh, job placement, and housing. That's the that's the idea, and uh, so we'll be using M Street for you know people who may be in cars, uh, uh, sleeping in cars overnight at various mm-hmm. locations around the city. This is a spot for them, and even people who are camping in uh, in you know with tarps and all this other stuff that's really mm-hmm. an eyesore. You know they show up. Uh, here's a tent. Here's a bedroll. Uh, what's your name? Uh, what's your background? What's going on with you? Get them into the system. And our our providers, uh, behavioral health, uh, medical, everybody that's working and doing the work up at M Street is able to have uh, you know regular interaction with these people in a in a rigorous way because they're on location uh, to get them on to a better life uh, in some capacity. So um, that's how we're using M Street going forward, and we're excited about it. And I think it'll have really good results. Uh, that uh, you know, this kind of an effort has shown results in other communities who have done it. Um, so that's the next iteration at M Street, and we're looking forward to that. Hey, Ryan, how close are we to getting a point where we will, the public, uh, the public will no longer see people on the sidewalks? I mean, it, are, are we finally getting there? Because you. It, 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 as you as you noted, when you go back, there was a federal rule, a federal court ruling that said, if you don't have the the facilities, if you don't have an open bed for these people, you can't deny them the right to basically right. exist. You know, wh- wherever they are, is this all part of the plan to at least clean up the visual polluted pollution side of this? It's yes, yes, that and getting people off the street and into permanent housing into jobs and into some sort of, you know, treatment or whatever. It's getting them, moving them on, uh, getting them on to a more sustainable position. Uh, it, yeah, it, it's about all of those things. The, the anti-camping ordinance is a tool, and that tool is going to be utilized when we have available shelter space and available alternatives to them camping out in some public area, public space. Uh, this is why it's important for the city to expand their bed space, mm-hmm. 150 more beds. This is why it's important for us to do uh, this this uh, free, safe camping uh, element that we're doing at M Street. Uh, this is why uh, we presented to the board a few weeks ago why we're looking into developing a tiny home complex at some location in the county. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of those things uh, are part of that effort and uh and all work together but yes it's about it's about uh, removing some of the 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 uh what you what people are seeing the trash uh the the structures uh eliminating those getting those uh all of that uh collected up moved out cleaned up and people moved along and right now um until we have an anti-camping ordinance uh I, we don't have a, a real good tool uh, to, to utilize, and that's why we're, we're we're pursuing what we're pursuing. But in addition to all that, we're really ramping up our efforts on engagement with our behavioral health services. They're they're going to be partnering uh, with uh, they're 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 developing new co-response teams with BPD and the Kern County Sheriff's Department, where behavioral health 
professionals who have the ability to do 5150 holds on site. Uh, in addition to... Ooh, excuse me, what does that mean? You, if you find somebody crazy enough, you can hold them there? That's exactly right. And right. we could put them into, we could force them into treatment. Uh, we, there's a law enforcement, so if something's being done illegally, uh, you know, somebody is doing something illegal, we have that element there in the case, in case we need to use it. Uh, obviously, they'll be enforcing the anti-camping ordinance and moving people along. Uh, but we're deploying uh, uh, at least two initial dedicated teams like that who will be full-time not doing anything else but driving around and engaging with uh, these people who are in various pockets around the Metro Bakersfield area. We'll ultimately branch out to do it around the county when we add some additional teams next year. Uh, All in all, it'll be about four or five teams that we add. And then we have a code enforcement uh, element to this where we're adding additional code enforcement teams that are just dedicated to going out, Mm. working with these co-response teams, law enforcement and behavioral health, to clean up everything, all of these encampments, Uh, pick them up, move them, store them, hold them for a certain period of time. And if we go over that period of time, we, we get rid of that stuff. Uh, all of that is part of the uh, of the plan that was rolled out to the board, and really the next iteration of uh, of dealing with homelessness in our community. And we hope we hope we see results. Um, we we all of these things are rooted in things that we're either doing uh, in some capacity or things that we have seen working in other communities, and we're bringing them to bear. Uh, either elevating it, spending a little more money, growing what we're what we know is working here. Uh, but also adding in the best elements of what other communities are doing where they're seeing progress. These teams involving uh, kind of multi-jurisdictional groups, you got your mental health people, you got your law enforcement. Is that different than what's out there now when, when I see the folks from Flood making contact with homeless people? Is that a different team? Yes, it's different. Uh, Flood's still going to make contact. We're still going to be cooperating with Flood. They're going to be part of this, but these are going to be dedicated teams. Uh, we have a behavioral health person who's going to be in a patrol car with a BPD officer who will completely be dedicated. When they get into that car, they're completely dedicated to dealing with this issue and nothing else. They are going out one by one at different locations, engaging with folks and making assessments, moving people along, uh, and they're doing all that in coordination with, again, code enforcement, with groups like Flood, uh, Flood Ministries, uh, there are M Street Navigation Center, the Bakersfield Homeless Center, the Mission, uh, Brundage Lane, all of those, all of that's all part of this, right? We're, we're going to be moving people off the street, whether they like it or not. Okay. We're going to be moving people off the street. That, that's, that's the best news I've heard in a long time. Talk to me about the new ordinance. You're talking about the prohibiting camping and then this new team. When, when, when will all this be in place, be happening? So it's, this is a big plan. The ordinance, anti-camping ordinance, requires a, uh, uh, another uh, couple of board meetings. Uh, we'll get that into place. The co-response teams, that's all happening right now. Uh, we're ramping up and getting all that dialed in and done. The M Street, that's all in the works now. That's all getting done and planned for, and that'll be up and running soon. The tiny homes piece is something that is a little longer term that's going to require some thought. Uh, not only where it goes, how it's done, um, you know, how it's budgeted, 
paid for, et cetera. Um, all of that's a little bit longer term, but, um, you know, uh, between, between now and, uh, you know, now and the next 12, 12 months. Okay. Very good. Very good. Uh, Ryan, when you came here, uh, what has it been five, six years now? Uh, four and a half, four and almost, a half. almost, almost five years. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that was pre pandemic. That was pre homeless, uh, crisis. You didn't come up here from LA anticipating you be that the homelessness issue would be, you know, one of the things on on your plate. Can you tell me what you've learned or how are you feeling about it? When I heard you earlier uh, in this podcast when you were describing COVID uh, and you were saying, it look, it's just going to be something that's going to be around. It's not going away. We're going to have to learn to deal with it. And I'm thinking, God, he could have been talking about homelessness there. I mean, it, it, are we looking at the same thing that they the the level of this pro, it, it, that this is an issue of of control and not elimination? How do you feel about that? Well, I think that you know, with regard to homelessness, you know, it's a it's a pervasive problem. It's not unique here. It's all over, uh, all over the state, mm-hmm. and. It's a result of what I believe are state policies on a wide variety of things, uh, whether it's been the release of people from prison, the early release of people from prison, uh, to, um, you know, uh, you, know you, you get even more systemic educational attainment or education system. There is a whole, you know, housing prices, yeah, right. you know, it is, it's the state's expensive to, to live in. People get, uh, you got a lot of people who are living paycheck to paycheck, their car breaks down, they're screwed, right? Yeah, you get a lot of people like that. Those, those folks are generally people that are easy to help, right? They're easy to provide services for. We've got a lot of services for, we've got a lot of other people who, uh, are in different categories, but I think that homelessness is going to be an issue for quite a while here. Um, but it's a war, and it's all about manti- uh, mounting a an offensive uh, that, at the end of the day, is effective, uh, as opposed to one where we're just kind of chin wagging and yeah. you know, uh, you know, circling our thumbs and and sort of talking about and meeting about and having a lot of discussion about. We've actually got to uh, bring an offensive uh, to the effort, and we have to be very, we have to be quick change artists here. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, what's working, what's not working, and be able to change on a dime. We're spending money in areas where we're not seeing any benefit. We've got to figure out other ways to spend that money and steer that money toward. So, you know, that's the battle we're in. Uh, it's a lot like graffiti, R- Richard. Hmm. Uh, you, you you go out and you put up a new sign and somebody graffitis it, and you go out and you spray, you know, you get it all off, and you go out a couple weeks later and it's on again. You go back out and you take it off, uh, you know, and so on. And yeah. ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, that person gets a little bit tired out and uh, there's a little bit less graffiti. They're not coming back because it doesn't stay up there. And, you know, I, that's a weird way of explaining, I think, <laughs> what we're trying right. to do. But it's a number of touches, attention, resources, uh, being able to change up and ultimately, um, you know, ultimately winning the battle where, you know, you see fewer people 
uh, on the streets and our systems are working, getting more people employed. And ultimately, I think the goal is, 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 is you see fewer people on the streets and you see, uh, you know, fewer negative externalities uh, resulting from people that we're seeing on the streets, right? The trash right. and the people walking like zombies through traffic. Yep. You see less and less of that. I don't know if you're ever going to eliminate it, but the goal is to see less and less of it. And we're, you know, all of this is being done data-driven. Uh, obviously, we've, we've got metrics we're trying to hit. So, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna keep close to the numbers and, and uh, let that inform how we do things. But that's our goal. Very good. All right, good. That's a lot of information. I appreciate that. Okay, let's go on to the uh, your issues with the SEIU. That's the county's largest union, which has voted to authorize a strike. It looks like you guys have come, at, you're at loggerheads here. What's going on with the SEIU, and what was your last your uh, offer to them? Well, I, I don't want to, um, I'm prohibited from you know, all of our all of our offers are online and public. Um, what I'll tell you is, we're going through the process with all of our labor unions right now, and we are um, uh, uh, proposing increases to salary and a cola uh, for all of them, everybody, and we're raising compensation for people um, with a cola all across the county. That's across the board. Everybody across gets board. that. Yeah. Okay. All right. And SEIU is one group, uh, one of our 12 mm -hmm. bar different bargaining units that we have to deal with. And they are, they represent about, uh, about 4,000 or so, a little over that, uh, mm -hmm. members of the county workforce. Um, about less than half of those people are actually paying dues to SEIU, oh, really? uh, but they do represent mm -hmm. yeah. uh, that many people, and uh, we've provided them a proposal uh, where we're increasing entry-level wages for, for, for people. Uh, we are uh, increasing wages for everybody who has topped out uh, at their top step and hasn't seen any wage increase for some time, uh, increasing wages there by 5.5% for those people. Uh, increasing, we're increasing. Let me just say, we're increasing our in our proposal. We are we provided uh, a a plan uh, that increases wages across the board for all SEIU employees uh, for the first time in a while um, uh, across the board, and uh, and they voted that down. Uh, they they're in their vote. They they. Uh, they voted to oppose it. They, in doing so, um, left on the table. Uh, everybody sees uh, 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 pretty significant compensation increases mm -hmm. over the next three years, which is the term of the contract. Uh, we provided an additional nine fully paid days off, uh, which you can argue is also... An additional nine? An paid? additional nine days off. Wow. Um, that's uh, three a year for the next three years, mm -hmm. fully paid. Uh, all of that they left on the table by voting no, and, and that's where we are. I'm not sure um, what the union has communicated to, uh, to their rank and file. Uh, I'm not sure if it was, um, uh, you know, fully, uh, you know, uh, fully developed or, um, uh, you know, 
fully, you know, gave gave a full picture of what, what it is we were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the proposal we gave them. It was the very best we can do. I mean, you understand there's a lot of issues we've got we're dealing with. Look at I, what I talked about at the top of the program mm-hmm. related to oil. Uh, we've got to make decisions uh, for this county uh, that are fiscally sustainable. Uh, in the environment that we're in, we, we're dealing with lackluster year-over-year growth in our property tax revenue and sales tax revenue, and all of those things are brought to bear when we're making these decisions. And keep in mind, SEIU is not the only bargaining unit that we deal with. There are 11 others uh, and uh, who represent a whole bunch of different employees, sheriff's deputies, probation officers, mm-hmm. uh, detention officers, uh, firefighters. They're all different. And so we're trying to do something for everybody. Uh, we're trying to do it so that it doesn't uh, drive this county into the fiscal pavement right. uh, in light of everything and all the challenges that we've got going on. But it is a, th- these are proposals that we're making that are providing real value-added compensation increases across the board for county employees that haven't been done in recent memory and uh, and my expectation was that they would accept it and say thank you and move on, and we would continue to work together to build on that. And uh, so those are my thoughts on that. Well, are, are you, Ryan, are, you, are, are we at impasse with the union? I mean, is, 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 could you legally just declare that we're going to impose the contract? And, yeah, and- we could. Obviously, we don't want to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't want to do that at, at all, anytime, with anybody. Uh, but we could. Um, it would be weird, right, going in to impose, uh, force a contract that's right. increasing everybody's salary. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's really, um, that's kind of a strange thing. But uh, we could, we don't want to, um, and we certainly don't want to see strikes or anything like that. And, you know, our hope is that we can, um, everybody can be level-headed and practical about this and understand, um, you, know, you know, the bigger picture and and have an appreciation for everything that I've got to deal with, we have to deal with here managing our finances and everything that's going on. Um, and ultimately, our hope is to, to get to an agreement with with everybody, including including SEIU. We want to get we want to get more money into their pockets. We it's not been done in a long time in terms of a cola. Uh, right. But um, you know uh, we're we're wanting to get this thing done and get it get it done quickly and. Uh, you know, my hope is that we can we can come to some agreement. Are, are you guys still talking? I mean, is, are there negotiations underway or planned? Yeah. So we, our last negotiation, you know, it ended with us giving mm-hmm. what we what we said was our last, best, and final yeah. offer. Uh, it was the very best that we can do. Again, in the context of the bigger picture, having to do everything the same for everybody else, and the price tag on that, um, and uh, and they. Uh, they, uh, whoever, I don't know how many people voted on it, but it was voted down. Uh, and so that's where we are. Um, they, uh, put announcements out about, you know, striking and all this other stuff. And, you know, I hope we can avoid that. And, uh, I'm sure we'll be talking with them, uh, in the weeks ahead, uh, and trying to figure out a solution, uh, and how we move forward. And that, that's my hope. And, and that's what we'll work toward. But, um, yeah, we will we will talk more with them. That's the plan. What would that look like? A strike? I mean, you have you have four thousand employees of this who are affiliated with this union 
What kind of work are they doing? Uh, well, it's a variety. I mean, SEIU employees are all over the county. They, uh, bulk of them, uh, vast majority of them are in places like uh, Department of Human Services, uh, Public Health, uh, Behavioral Health. Uh, they're, they're in Public Works. They're in virtually every, every part of the county. Um, I don't know what a strike would look like. Um, I, I hope to avoid that. Um, obviously, when people strike, they don't get paid. Um, so I don't know what the willingness is going to be of, of their workforce. You know, at the end of the day, I don't know if you've got all, you know, all of the members that they represent wanting to strike. I just don't know what that looks like. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know what they have planned. Uh, that's going to be completely up to them. And, and if that happens, it'll be unfortunate, but we'll have to work through it. Uh, but we want to try to avoid that. Obviously, um, we don't want that to happen. And, um, you know, I'll do everything that I can um, to, to try and avoid that. But what I won't do is I won't make decisions that are going to um, that are going to be detrimental to uh, this county and the work that this county's doing. We got a ton of challenges. We got a ton of need. Uh, we've got a, a ton of things we're trying to do in very difficult circumstances. And um, you know, my my uh, decision making on there's some recommendations ultimately to the board are, are really rooted in the long-term fiscal health uh, of this county. So Got that's it. where we are. I wonder when the last time there was a, st- uh, a county employee st- uh, struck. Do you know? I don't know. I don't I'm know. Um, mm-hmm. I remember we dealt with one in Los Angeles when I was down there with the same group, uh, different mm-hmm. different number. It was SEIU, but um, mm-hmm. uh, that was my only experience there. But uh, I, I don't know when the last time was. I don't. I, I, there have been lots of threats. There have been lots of communications uh, about a strike, mainly from SEIU, uh, nobody else. Uh, but um, o- over the years, uh, certainly in the years before I was here, uh, I, I'm not sure if uh, ever, anything ever came to fruition. But, um, you know, strikes are something that you always want to avoid and, uh, you know, you try to avoid. But, you know, if we can't, then uh, we'll have to deal with it and uh, hopefully we'll be able to. All right, very good. Look, I've kept you long enough. I've only gone about 50 minutes here. Ryan Alsop, the Chief Administrative Officer, thank you for joining us here on the Bakersfield Observe podcast, and I'll check in with you. Good luck with the homeless uh, initiatives you have going on and with the SCIU, and we'll check in with you again. Thank you, Ryan Alsop. Okay, thank you, Richard. It was good talking to you. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, sir. take care. Thank you for listening to Bakersfield Observe, the podcast with Richard Bean. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Centric Healthcare and King Door Company.